You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums. You must hear before you die. For this episode, we'll be doing Dennis Wilson, Pacific Ocean Blue. In the room, I have Anne. Hey. On the line, I have Rob. Hello. Ben. Ooh. And Kyle. Hi there. Pacific Ocean Blue is the debut solo album by American singer-songwriter musician Dennis Wilson, co-founder of the Beach Boys. It was released in August of 1977, and the producer was Dennis Wilson and Greg Jacobson. Uh, it was released on Caribou Records, and the genre is rock and pop. And I'll read from the book, Garth Cartwright. Dennis Wilson was the Beach Boys resident drummer, stud, actor, Charles Manson's acolyte, and the first to die. He also released the only solo album of real note by any Beach Boy. Recorded over seven years, Pacific Ocean Blue offers up a glimpse of L.A. in the 70s, when being a coke-fueled rock star was truly to live like a god. Reviews of the album were positive, and while not a hit, there were no radio-friendly singles on Pacific Ocean Blue. It has been long admired. Its multi-track vocals, synth washes, bruised melodies, undercurrent of despair, and stoned late-night ambiance make it stand up better today than any Beach Boys album since Surf's Up. Uh, The piano motifs in... Massed vocals of stunning, of the stunning opener River Song create an epic gospel-like quality. Moonshine is built over a heavy percussive rhythm and offers up a rich white guy California blues. Thoughts of You is Dennis at his most wistful, wistfully reflective. Time is complemented by a gorgeously blue trumpet line that recalls Chet Baker before morphing into a rocker. The title track is a great nature song with Dennis's voice at its most grizzled, while Farewell to a Friend is an amazing goodbye. Wilson was addicted to cocaine and alcohol, and much of Pacific Ocean Blue has a weary, zonked flavor to it, as if he was digging through his messy psyche to truly express the real Dennis. All right, what do we think of Dennis Wilson, Pacific Ocean Blue? This was a surprising record. I was not aware of it, and it's uh, it's pretty cool, man. Yeah, some, some agreed. Cool stuff going on here. This is I really concur. cool. Yeah. This uh, I'm a big fan of Holland Beach Boys Holland, which I believe is is after Surfs Up. This is very similar to Holland. It was. Hmm. It felt like a compendium of sorts to that album but i had never listened to this album and i'm into it this is very cool yeah i had never heard this album either and uh 
Uh, it's kind of hard to remove the album from the context of what was going on with this guy. Yeah, I Very think that sad. that's I like I knew about Dennis Wilson because of like learning about Charles Manson stuff. And like, I always liked him in the story because he felt very like tragic and like well-intentioned, but like obviously had a really hard, terrible life. And so I like, when I knew this was in the book, I just saved it. (laughs) I'll just listen to it when we get there. Um, And I like it a lot, Um, but it's, it's hard to listen to it without being real sad about him. Let's get into the, the, the Dennis Wilson, Charles Manson stuff. It's been touched on now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what was it that, Dennis Wilson picked up a couple of hitchhikers and they, and he was talking to him about how, about his time with the Maharishi. And they said like, Oh, like we, we also like follow a teacher. Yeah. And then like Charles Manson just like showed up at Dennis Wilson's house. He, but the, yeah, I think that he picked up a couple Manson girls and the second time he picked them up, he took them to his house. So then they knew where he lived and they didn't know he was a beach boy. They just knew he was rich and they could party there. <laughs> so I think that that's how they ended up like meeting because they brought Char- He Dennis Wilson shows back up to his house and the fucking Manson family is basically living inside of it. And he meets <laughs> Charles Manson like at his house. <laughs> right. And on, uh, and on Dennis's part, you know, he's a laid back California guy and he was cool with it. He's like, oh, OK, mm-hmm. these folks live with me now. He took care of them for a long time. Mm-hmm. He paid uh, their, him their and, bills. <laughs> him and Manson had uh, had a, a, a like a friendship going. And like, it's pretty well known that Charles Manson was a above average songwriter. So uh, Dennis Wilson was kind of taking him around. He was he was the one that kind of introduced charles manson to like the entertainment entertainment business insiders because he was trying to he was shopping him around for a record deal he i think he introduced him to terry melcher but like my my impression of manson's songwriting is that it actually wasn't very good (laughs) like but and maybe that's a matter of taste but like for what i've heard that he's done is not that great and he also wasn't very good at like uh working with other people so the one time he like had that chance to maybe impress somebody. He just was a horrible, creepy asshole. And like, it didn't work out. (laughs) That checks out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Then the Manson family went on to commit those murders and, uh, Dennis Wilson just felt really bad about the whole situation. (laughs) Yeah. I think it haunted him, which it would haunt anybody. Right. Like, yeah. yeah, it was was still getting death threats from the Manson family. They threatened <laughs> like, a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, there were a lot of them that weren't in jail. <laughs> like, <laughs> Notes saying you're next. Like bullets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Charlie, what's that? Oh, it's a bullet. Aren't you glad your family's okay right now? <laughs> Give me a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> right. For penicillin. My favorite Jesus. thing that they mooched off him though was like he went out of town and they ran up like a massive dairy bill like it was just basically they spent a dairy? zillion dollars on cheese and milk <laughs> like, <laughs> i was like i could see that i could do that to some rich guy yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's the one moment of like you know where i could understand <laughs> like, uh, man so do you think uh joss whedon likes dennis wilson what rob the uh, uh, first track river song firefly 
the character is fucking River Song. You is it really dorks. River? It is River Song, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Guys, don't get mad. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just I I it, it popped in my head. I figured the rest of our my I thought our nerd cycles were synced. Apparently not. <laughs> Uh, Moonshine, that was a cool song. I like yeah. that one a lot. I agree, Rob. That that one it did it, it reminded me of like like Surfs Up era Beach Boys. Yeah, and so. I was reading about how he was I think like like there's like this classical orchestration versus like this pop thing going on that felt very like yeah. It's yeah. so well orchestrated. Mm-hmm. This album's also very punk. I mean it's so short. There's so many songs. It's there's twelve songs. And how long is it? Like thirty-seven minutes, maybe. That's standard, though, right? Yeah, it's yeah, pretty close to standard. That, that, that's the length of a record for an LP. Six tracks per. Uh, yeah, I six thought, tracks on the side. I thought I thought Friday night sounds a lot like Pink Floyd. Oh, oh yeah. that's interesting. That's interesting. I hear I that. A, Thoughts of you uh, is sounding like something off the wall on my notes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. someone had said it's a raw, bluesy masterpiece of ocean-worshipping psychedelia. I I hear the psychedelic influences. It's very, it's interesting. It's a bit more, Surf's Up had a bit of that, that progressive pop, that sort of psychedelic tinge to it, but this goes a bit farther. Yeah, what I liked about this record is you think you know where a song's going, and then it just does a 180 in like half the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, the title track, uh, sort of Pacific Ocean Blues. Did you guys look at the lyrics for that song? No. What are no. they? I had to write this down. He said, uh, warmed by the blood of the cold hearted slaughter of otter. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> like the whole album, I was like, this is pretty good. I mean, Beach Boys lyrics are usually pretty, you know, they're not that deep, but that was wild. <laughs> that's really wild <laughs> my gosh pretty weird. And I think that was the single off the record I think so Yeah. Uh, Dennis Wilson did not used to have a gravelly voice uh, that's that's hard living but see I kind of yeah, liked it I liked how, how edged it made like the vocal harmony stuff sound like it was very it feels grittier like he is know. a he's a fucking rough 33 man like wow. that's I think we were talking about Marty Robbins, like looking like he was already 50 when uh, that we did the, his cowboy songs. Like he's Marty Robbins old on the cover of this record. Oh, dude, yeah, he looks like your stepdad. It oh looks like God. it looks like the Marlboro Man, like 20 years after he retired. Like, I, and that may just be uh, honestly the grain on the cover of the record that the grain of that picture just reminds me of looking at incredibly old playboys at, uh, <laughs> at, at, at like the half price books. Like it, <laughs> they have that sort of grain quality to them. Sure. Um, it's supposed to look gritty because so, he's the gritty one, right? Like he's the, he's the actual surfer. He's the black sheep. Like he's the heart and soul of the beach boys. He, yeah. he, he's the beach boys image. Sure. He's yeah, yeah. Like he's the only one that surfed. He was the good-looking one that actually was talking to the girls, like the songs were saying. He's he the one that was like surf. actually interested in cars and stuff. 
and he was even he it was his idea for the songs to be about surfing like brian wilson had like the melodies and the music figured out and he just had some like basic lyrics and it was dennis who had the idea like man everyone loves surfing you should sing about surfing let's write a song called surfing he's the michelangelo of the band (laughs) (laughs) he is he is He, he he embodies the spirit just like just like that ninja turtle he's a party dude He's a party dude. He loves pizza and nunchucks. <laughs> Listening to this album, I just kept thinking about how much I hate Mike Love. <laughs> Mike Love is the worst. He's <laughs> he, because he's, he, like, I, I thought that he was just picking on Brian Wilson this whole time when he's talking to him. Brian Wilson, like, no, man, this song sucks. This song should be about a sports car, not your feelings. But apparently he's also doing that to, to Dennis Wilson this whole time. Like Dennis is like, I've got this song. It's about how I'll love you forever. And <laughs> like, like, like now make it about a deuce coop. <laughs> <laughs> I got to see Mike Love and Friends uh, this past January. I, I've, I've told these dudes all about it, I'm sure. Was John Stamos there? He was not. He was not. I was disappointed. There was pictures of him projected on a screen, though. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Like a slideshow? That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, there's absolutely... Uh, it, well, one of Mike Love's nephews or nieces, I'm sure, does like an AV, <laughs> AV project for, for his slideshow. Oh, man. <laughs> Amazing. Beautiful. I yeah, saw it's, Stamos it's... after a Colts game. Oh, my God. What? Beach Boys were there and Stamos was on drums. What? Were you rocking out? Yeah, man. <laughs> it's, it's... I bet he was. <laughs> I'm from a city called Kokomo, and they had a song <laughs> called Kokomo. This you're is from, my song. You're not from Figure. a city called Kokomo, Birch. You're from the city called Kokomo. Yeah. Figure it out. How big do you think that song was in that fucking town? And was I got to hear it. Oh, yeah. There's like a riot going on, just like Mike Love's song. There's a riot going on. Overturning cars. Oh. <laughs> It was, t- it was actually. I'm surprised terrible. that the Beach Boys didn't straight up play Kokomo, Indiana, on that tour. <laughs> you know, like, come on, dude! It, 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 it's the only Kokomo on the map. <laughs> they have a they have an outdoor venue. They've been getting some hits. Your nah. mom was telling us about it. Yeah, <laughs> not listen to that. Uh, this album only sold three hundred thousand copies, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like a complete wash but definitely not what was expected from a beach boy at that time what it did do though was sold better than any contemporary beach boys album of the time yes yeah sure it was dennis wilson solo yeah although it didn't sell that much it was outperforming the beach boys and it caused some some rifts in the band that and i'm sure uh just all the other shit that Dennis Wilson is going through mentally and chemically. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to mention, too, it was uh, virtually unavailable for more than 15 years. They didn't repress it or anything. So copies were really rare. And I be- in like 1991, there were CDs being sold for like $200. Um, so a lot of people hadn't heard it just because it hadn't uh, been released. It's not like now where you can just pick up a record. A, a Why lot didn't of- they just stream it, Birch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, played over the phone. But yeah, I find that I find it strange when we have these lost, what, what would be considered lost albums, like the Sam Cooke uh, Live from Harlem Square, where people just say, no, you know, we're not going to repress that. And then it becomes almost bigger than it would have been if it had just had a continuous. Uh, uh, repress that yeah. Gene Clark one had a bit of that effect also. Yeah. That like, it was a huge, it was a flop when it came out, it came out of production. And then like within 10 years, people are looking at it favorably and it's inspiring this whole new movement in music and no one can find it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's always, I have that same reaction when I see a film uh, that hasn't been, you know, available for a while, you know, digging through the, the dusty bins, the the crates and, and just finding things or hearing someone word of mouth telling you something is so powerful. And there's something about that that I feel like we we've lost. We we don't have that anymore to say there's an there's something that's un, underground um, unless an artist intentionally makes it that way now. So an artist could say, you know, they're only releasing cassettes but again, those cassettes, someone could put it on a computer and it could yeah. be d- distributed, you know, whereas this kind of stuff, it's almost those lost treasures. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't you rather that people got to hear it? I I would. I'm, I'm just lamenting the fact that uh, it has a different flavor of of having something that you feel like is special. Mm-hmm. It's that still is, fun to dive through dusty bins. Oh no! But, like, even though I can stream this, it's still really fun to search for treasure. Oh, in in finding a copy of this would be you know original copy would still give you a, a sense of excitement to say, oh, I got you know I found this original copy. But there is something that that uh, that you can't just you know replicate. In, in a way, it'd be like walking into an arcade and seeing your favorite arcade game there. Uh, mm-hmm. or p- somebody playing a midnight movie and it's, you know, an amazing movie that you hadn't seen before. Or, you know, there's all these l- little things that uh, I feel like. I mean, people still draw attention to stuff. Though. Oh, absolutely. Here's another question that I have maybe for Ben and Rob. Like, I don't really dig through record crates, but when you do that now, do you ever like get on your phone and like listen? To yes, see if not you- lit. I, I don't listen, but I'll look up values because I'm a. Because <laughs> that's part I, of what you're I, shopping I, for. <laughs> I'm di- I'm digging for gold. Yeah. You know? If I see something that, if I'm intrigued by either the cover or the name of it or something about it, but the price is a little bit more than I would just want to roll the dice on. Okay. I'll absolutely uh, stream something just just like just to kind of like. Uh, 
30 seconds of a few songs just kind of feel that, get a feel sure, for what yeah, I'm getting yeah. into. I'm just yeah. curious. What were you saying, Kyle? I was asking if you guys use like a, a collector's app. Yeah, I, I use Discogs oh, yeah. and just just go off like the low side of it. Um, what was crazy for a while with doing this podcast, um, I would be like digging through crates and I would find the records that we were covering like pretty consistently. Like, um, and now that we're moving more towards like the like the eighties, it's getting much harder to find. Uh, mm-hmm find some of these things but yeah the um, we're getting out of the goodwill bins yeah more or less we're, we're getting more into the collector stuff now yeah um yeah man fucking may, may, i i might recant my john stamos's best beach boy i think dennis might have been the best <laughs> of all of them he said mike love was the best no it was always stamos <laughs> Samos okay. is the best beach boy he's the he's the soul of the beach boy that's I see. that Oof. childlike wonder yeah <laughs> He's the soul of the the neo Beach Boys that we're probably most familiar with yeah. immediately, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the Beach Boys that we grew up with. <laughs> you guys know if they've released anything? Um, I know he spent like the last six years before he died working on a follow up to this record. Have they released they, anything? They oh, did yeah, release yeah. it. Yeah, it's it, on. It. It's on Spotify. It's like the rest of what comes up when you listen to this album, or at least it yeah, did for it's, me. the bonus tracks on this one on Spotify are the second album. And if you get like the reissue of Pacific Ocean Blue, that CD that was going for a lot of money in the nineties, that's what disc two is. Okay. It's, it's called bamboo. Yeah. 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 Cool. I didn't listen to it yet. <laughs> I didn't listen to it either. Uh, I, listen- I had to listen to all the other albums. <laughs> yeah, I listened to a bit of it. It's it's good. It does have some bluesy tracks on, uh, which are, you know, he he kind of has hits hits a bit of a blues vibe on on some things, but it is it is still quality. It's definitely worth so, your time. Apparently, when this album came out, uh. Brian Wilson listened to it and he was very proud of his brother. He called it very funky, funky indeed. But then like at some point in the last 10 or 20 years, when an older and further gone, Brian Wilson was asked about it. uh, He did not recall that his brother had released an album. Right. Well, and I think that I read something where it was like, they wouldn't mention that like Dennis had a solo album when they were doing interviews at the time too. It was like, they pretended it wasn't happening kind of, which it was doing better than their stuff. Well, yeah, that's probably why they were, didn't want to talk about it. And I'm, I'm sure Dennis at his, at his, at the time mental and chemical state wasn't, wasn't the easiest guy to be working in a band with when he's got an album out that's outperforming your band. Sure, yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's like the Beatles. Like that Lennon McCartney. It's a bit of a rival rivalry. Uh, you know, it, it, if so I've listened to this album probably shit seven or eight times now. And I, I enjoy it. Like I'm, I'm going to be giving it uh, a positive. I don't know how often I'll come back to it. Like it, it, I, I, I like it almost more as like an interesting part of Beach Boys history that like I, I wasn't familiar with. But if I was, if I was Dennis Wilson, and I put out this record, I'd be so so very proud of myself. You know, like this far into a career of being known as kind of just like the drummer for the beach boys just to, to be able to, to like, look, look, like proof is in the pudding. Like here it is. Like I, I've done this record. This is me. And I'm more than just your drummer. And I, 
I'm sure it felt good for him to put out. And it, if I was him, I would have been really proud of this as, as like a not only a debut solo album, but like you said, the only Beach Boys solo album worth noting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I was kind of surprised about, because um, I'm not a big Beach Boys guy like at all, but um, I saw that he was the drummer of the band and they brought in studio drummers. Sometimes, oh, yeah, yeah he, he, he was, was he was the drummer of the band a little bit. You know? He was the drummer of the band because he was Carl and Brian's brother, and he was yeah. singing with them. And one day he, sh- so they they tell me he's in the band first. He's like, "Hey, you're a brother. You're in the band." And then, like a few weeks later, like, "Oh, by the way, you're on drums." So he learns how to play drums because his brothers are in a band and they need a drummer. That being said, he plays drums passably, you know, like he's he's fine for live drums in the studio, though, especially like when you have access to Hal Blaine. Yeah. You know, I don't know if there's no songs on this that Dennis Wilson plays drums on, but I know that Hal Blaine's all over this record. Like you're mostly hearing Hal Blaine. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to. Uh... Well, it says Hal Blaine drums on What's Wrong and You and I. So that's only two. I mean, and I did read some that there's like a lot of talk about that, but that he's playing drums more than he's not. Okay. And I do, I'm looking now. I do see he's he's at least, man, he's got a lot of, there's a lot of, he's got a lot of instrumental credits on this. Yeah, absolutely. Lead lead and backing vocals, piano, Hammond organ, uh, ARP synthesizer, Moog, Taurus, mini Moog, clavinet, Fender Rhodes, drums, percussion, bass, harmonica, tuba, violin, lap steel, Viola and cello. Shit, Dennis. Yeah. It's orchestrated. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's just a lot going on. And I think that that was the, like, whoever produced this was like, just, you're in charge of it. You get to do whatever you want. Right. Yeah. And he, he had a good relationship with that guy, Greg Jacobson. Like, they, they were, they were bros. And Greg was also involved in the, the Charles Manson scene. In fact, it was Greg, like, Dennis didn't necessarily, feel comfortable testifying to his experience with the Manson family. But uh, Greg Jacobson kind of spoke of those times on their behalf. Yeah, I I'm I'm gonna go with the positive on this one. It it has a it has a different feel from the Beach Boys, but I feel like it, it it's interesting. It's funny you you brought up that uh that other lost album I'm blanking on now. Um, I, uh, the Gene Clark one. Yeah, Gene Clark, because I hadn't put it together until just now, but this has a very interesting spacey cosmic feel of that california 70s like yeah vibe obviously this one's a bit more funky it's not as lucid but it it, uh it it gives me that feeling um also i feel like this is a, a great compendium of surfs up this album and holland together is is an interesting spectrum that we don't 
that not everybody might know about the Beach Boys. Absolutely. Like it, it, it wasn't until about five years ago that I realized it continued on after Pet Sounds. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Which record is it that ends with that crazy poem about elves? Uh, that is Holland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, about the magic. You didn't listen to that birch like it, in a car. Yeah. It's got like a magic flu. It's so stupid. No. <laughs> There's also uh, a soliloquy about like an eagle's nest in Southern California. But then it goes on to be one of the best songs on the album, Big Sur. Ugh. Hmm. Is, that in, is that in the book? No, Holland is not. But I under that's one thing I, I was I kind of went on a rant about, oh, Holland's not in the book. Why? You know, we got surfs up. So I understood that. But then I thought, oh, this Dennis Wilson album is here. Putting Holland in doesn't make sense because they feel this. They feel similar in this way. And Holland is has a lot more like goofs, goofy tracks. It gets not as good of an album. Yeah, this one and this one has the sto- the backstory. It's Dennis's thing. It it yeah, it 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 makes perfect sense. It's a lost album. It's got a lot of stuff going for it that makes it uh, an interesting album. Uh, Dennis Wilson was married five times in his short life. Uh, lastly, to Sean Marie Love who was the illegitimate daughter of his cousin, Mike Love. Dear Lord. Who they had a ref- child. still refuses to say that she's his child. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. She's absolutely his child, day. and he ha- has still not acknowledged <laughs> her life. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he had this whole like rivalry thing with Mike Love. Like, I guess we'll never truly know. Like, did he marry Mike Love's teenage illegitimate daughter out of spite and rivalry? They probably just really hated the same person. Maybe they got along because of that. That might might be it. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. (laughs) So I knew that Dennis died by drowning. And that was always like, like the trivia thing I knew. Like he was the only beach boy that surfed and he died in the water. What I didn't realize was he, he, died drowning in the marina and it was like he had been drinking like day drinking on the boat all day and i guess a a few years prior he split up with i think his former wife who he was with on pacific ocean blue i think i could be wrong on that and in their breakup fight a lot of her stuff got thrown off of his boat into the marina and he died drunk diving for her stuff that had been thrown in the marina a few years prior. Yeah. The way that I heard the story told was that he was trying to find her picture. Oh, my. Oh, my goodness. Like, just over and over. And he just eventually didn't come up. Um, Holy smokes. That is really, so sad. really sad. <laughs> it's hard. And it was hard for me to listen to this album without, like, carrying all that weight to it. But I think that it helps me, like hear it maybe in a, a correct context because that was six years after this album like it wasn't like it happened right during this time but this feels like that person too right yeah just struggling with like a lot of stuff it's more complicated than most beach boys <laughs> <right>? <laughs> <laughs> like, or, like yeah. 
it deals with different things than we normally are used to dealing with with Beach Boys. Yeah, I think at this point, uh, Brian Wilson was gaining, becoming upwards of 300 pounds and uh, eating cigarette butts out of uh, in, in his salad because he didn't know that the butts were in there. Well, um, well. everyone was doing horribly <laughs> in, in the mid to late 70s. But yeah, really sad how Dennis died. I'm going to go positive on this. Uh, it was all new to me. And yeah, it, repeated listenings are giving me good vibes man this is a a cool one i'm glad i got to hear it same for me positive yeah uh i think i've already said enough Uh, i like it i like it positive from me everyone's having a really hard time and mike loves just giving everyone shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah he might as well marry his daughter (laughs) yeah i agree man yeah this is a great record i didn't know this whole story like i said not a beat big uh, beach boys dude outside of pet sounds but this record was fantastic it was fun and cathartic and kind of depressing and cool yeah. yeah i agree i really liked it yeah positive for me as well consensus all right Yay. we had a pretty good uh time with the last few albums huh yeah, I think we're going to 1977 has treated us well. We're going into some good yeah. stuff too. Yeah, we're going to have some more good stuff. Next time we'll be talking about suicide and their debut suicide. Honey, you will.